The liturgy that we celebrate today is unique in the course of a liturgical year and that we have these two gospel passages that are read in the course of the celebration. The first, of course, is the preparation as Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. And surrounded, uh, surrounding him are the crowds who have likely traveled along with him on the way. The people of Nazareth and Galilee, the people of Bethlehem and of other places outside the city of Jerusalem where our Lord worked miracles, where the people saw ones who were raised up from the dead, like Lazarus. People who were healed, like the blind man that we heard in the recent Gospels and other accounts. And seeing these things, they believed in Jesus. And so as they enter into the city of Jerusalem, they're filled with great rejoicing. Those that go before them, those that follow after, are throwing down their cloaks, cutting down branches, hence the palms, and laying them in the streets to prepare the way for the king. And they cry with great joy, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Praise God. And the whole city of Jerusalem, the scripture reminds us, was shaken. They were shaken and asked, who is this? This is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. The triumphal procession soon turns into a cry for blood. As the people of the city of Jerusalem begin to look around at this crowd and to see that this Jesus really has come to upset things according to the order of what they were used to. He comes and he invites them to partake of his body and of his blood. A blasphemy, it seemed. And he calls himself even the Son of God. That you'll soon see him in the clouds and the heavens. And the crowd quickly turns from one who rejoicing to another crowd who, cre- who cries out longing for Barabbas, the murderer, to be released. And with Jesus, he deserves death. Let him be crucified. The church wisely places these two side by side in the liturgy today. Because they show us indeed that there are various crowds and camps in the response to Jesus. Some who rejoice in his presence. And some who would rather him simply be killed. That they might be able to continue with their life as it has been to that point. But as we celebrate the liturgy, as we enter into this most holy week of the year, Holy Week, the church invites us to reflect that those two realities, those two separate groups, though they may be two separate groups in that time and in that place, quite often the two of them both reside in our hearts. How easy it is for us to begin the Lenten season with cries of joy and exaltation, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he who comes, and to look forward to so many good things through the course of Lent. And so we make our resolutions, and we look forward to being able to to carry them out and to celebrate the Easter season when it comes. But how quickly it comes to pass that the chocolate that we had promised to give up for love of the Lord finds its way to our fingertips and then to our tongues. How quickly we forget that It's a Friday in Lent as we take the second bite of our juicy cheeseburger. How quickly those temptations come to us 
And where easily we desire to follow Jesus, we can easily also become like Peter, who says, I don't know the man. And we allow the desires of our flesh for comforts and convenience and so many things of the world to take the control. Both crowds reside in our heart. But it should not be a cause for despair or frustration. But rather it's an invitation to encouragement and to faith and trust in our Lord. As we go through Lent, it's easy for us to fall short. If we were to give ourselves grades on our performance during Lent, I say I would this year probably give myself a really strong C-. That's because I'm feeling kind of generous. And it's a recognition that though we may begin with good desires, quite often, not always, but often, we tend to fall short. It would be easy for us to reflect on that as Judas did. To fling whatever has been given to us back in the temple and say, I'm done. And to give up in despair and to go off to ourselves. To be consumed with self and our own fault and weakness. But the church invites us rather to look to Peter, who though he denies Christ three times, and not just denies that he's a disciple, he says, I don't even know who he is. I don't even know him, much less follow him. But rather, whenever Peter realizes it, he weeps, and he weeps bitterly. He weeps tears of repentance rather than despair. And he seeks to follow this Jesus, whom he has so recently turned away. And so the church invites us to be able to experience the repentance of Peter that compels us not away from Christ, but more deeply towards him. In the course of Lent, it may be easy for us to have passed up certain graces that God may desire to give to us. There may have been moments where the Lord invited us to pray and something else distracted us or pulled us away. Some offering that we could have made a, a small mortification or a, a self-sacrifice, a gift of love, that we chose a moment of convenience instead, a moment of comfort. It would be easy for us to think that all is lost, much like Judas. But again, we recall with Peter that though it may seem to be lost, even what is lost by the grace of God can still be found. Even what has been seemingly fruitless can be made in an instant, miraculously fruitful. And so we have this invitation to enter into this holy week with a renewed fervor, a new, renewed fire in our heart for our Lord. Regardless of what our Lenten season has looked like, regardless of what grade we might be able to give ourselves, the Lord invites us, come and rest with me. To take place and to take part in the celebration of the sacred liturgies of Holy Week. And so I encourage you, if at all possible, please to take place in those liturgies. To go and to rest with us, with our Lord, as we celebrate the Thursday evening Mass of the Lord's Supper. To celebrate with us at the three o'clock hour the death of our Lord on Good Friday and the rituals that surround it. Even to come on Saturday evening, if you can, to be able to experience the richness and beauty of the Easter Vigil. 
be able to come to know our Christ a bit more deeply and to allow what may have been lost to be found, what may have been fruitless to be made fruitful. Knowing that our Lord can take that lost stuff and bring it back in a miraculous manner, I would like to close with a simple prayer from St. Teresa of Avila. It's a prayer for lost time. And so it prays. O my God, source of all mercy, I acknowledge your sovereign power. While recalling the wasted times that are past, I believe that you, Lord, can in an instant turn this loss to gain. Miserable as I am, yet I firmly believe that you can do all things. Please restore to me the time lost. Give me your grace, both now and in the future, that I may appear before you in the wedding garments.